Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. And today I'd like to talk with you about the Senate, the political heart that beats its steady beat at the centre of our empire. I've sent out missives to a contact of mine, and perhaps to lay the foundations before I get to meet with them once more. I thought it would be refreshing to understand the political head that sits atop the shoulders of us, the citizens of this empire. So, the Imperial Senate. The Imperial Senate is the primary legislative body for the empire. It is an elective chamber with one senator appointed from each territory of the empire that represents their interests. The chamber has access to a wide range of political powers which makes senators some of the most powerful political individuals in the empire. They alone have the ability to change imperial law as well as enjoying access to the imperial treasury. They are also responsible for appointing the throne. The purpose of the Senate is to govern the Empire, and this control extends to all areas of imperial life, not already covered by the other houses of government. The Synod, religious. The Bourse, financial. The Military Council, of the military, clues in the name. And the Conclave, magical. Any major commission, typically a type of building such as a, a garden or a fortress, whether military or economic in purposes, requires the approval of the Senate. They cannot order the Bourse to provide the materials required, but they control the Imperial Treasury and can disperse funds from it to purchase the materials needed. The Senate are forbidden by the Imperial Constitution from intervening in the business of the Military Council. But members of the Senate appoint each general, and only the Senate can declare war on another nation, or end it. When a territory is conquered by the Imperial armies, it is a Senator who decides which nation the territory will be assigned to, or indeed all of the Senators involved. The Senate itself is also responsible for imperial law, and any changes must be raised and approved by its members. Changes which have constitutional implications also require authorization by the throne and approval by the Constitutional Court. The Senate also has the power to create new offices of state, individuals with powers and responsibilities who operate as part of any of the great houses of government. Because of their great power, the Senate is closely watched by the Synod, who have the power to veto decisions made by it. It was first created at the dawn of the Empire, to ensure that the power to govern remained in the hands of the citizens. The Senate itself is a development of the Witan, which existed in Wintermark to help the monarch rule the nation in the time before the Empire, at least. The design of the Senate is a direct consequence of the unique way the Empire was formed, not by conquest, but by a union of nations. All agreed that the Senate should hold 
the limit of the power and be able to limit the throne. The first empress was a popular figure, but not that popular. But every nation had their own dogmatic views on how the new empire should be run. Nations with strong military traditions, like Dawn and the Marchers, sought to enhance the power of the military, while nations like the League were openly contemptuous of the idea that politicians should control the empire's economy. Highgard, as the driving force behind its creation, it being the empire, was determined to secure the power and authority of the imperial synod. So, compromises were made, and these were made to ensure unity. For example, the constitutionally protected roles of the imperial force and the imperial military council were expressly created to thwart the desire of senators to control these areas of the empire. As a result, while the senate is the most powerful of the five political houses, it has def defined limits to its power set down by the constitution. It is forever watched over by the synod, and that cannot be stressed enough. The senate meets in meetings called sessions, and these typically sit twice per day and across each full day of an imperial summit. Sessions are conducted in the senate chamber, a grand stone building at the heart of Anvil. To keep order, each Senate session is chaired by the Speaker for the Senate, a uh, civil servant responsible for ordering motions during a sitting, and allowing time for motions to be considered, for maintaining civil debate, counting votes, and ensuring due procedure within the Chamber. The agenda consists of motion, announcements, and addresses. The motions are raised by members of the Senate, and considered and voted upon by all present, and by historical tradition, motions are nailed to the walls of the Senate so that all citizens can be aware of them. It's quite common for the civil service to take a copy of the motion and make it available through the hub. Announcements are made by any holder of an imperial title who wishes to use Senate powers that have been delegated to that office. They can be considered and discussed like a motion, but are not subject to a vote. Finally, addresses are made by those with title grants, and those grants allow them the power to address the Senate. Like an announcement, they may be considered and discussed, but no vote is taken. Now, it's worth bearing in mind that only a member of the Senate or a civil servant is entitled to enter the Senate chamber for a session. Members must arrive promptly. Entry is prohibited to any member of the Senate once a session has begun. Anyone who has the right to enter has the right to speak during these debates. To do so, they must catch the eye of the speaker and wait until they are invited to speak. To cast a vote, eligible members who are present will be called upon by the speaker to take a stance on each motion brought before the Senate. The right of witness ensures that every member of the Synod is entitled to observe all aspects of the Senate. To facilitate this, the Senate building has a large viewing gallery that runs alongside the main chamber. When it was originally constructed, the gallery was only available to members of the Synod, but 
it was easier to open the gallery to all. And now all citizens with an interest in proceedings are encouraged to attend. Any imperial citizen can ask the speaker or the captain of the Senate Guard to remove a citizen from the viewing gallery. And furthermore, a non-citizen also. This is typically used when uh, certain citizens are being unrowdy, unruly if you will, rowdy, violent, aggressive, threatening, as political discussions often heighten the tensions of some. Although only a handful of citizens have the right to raise motions and vote on them, the senators who form the mainstay of the Senate are chosen by those people of their nation. Most senators work hard to make themselves available to the citizens who elect them, and a senator who does not adequately represent the interests, views and goals of the people of their nation and territory can quickly find themselves removed from office by a one way or another. There are, however, some limitations to this uh, almighty pillar of governance. The decisions of the Senate, both motions and announcements, are subject to veto by the throne and the Imperial Synod, as we've mentioned before. Any veto automatically cancels the motion or announcement, as if it had been a motion which was voted down. A motion that is vetoed cannot be raised again before the start of the next summit. The Imperial Synod, either the Assembly of Nine or the General Assembly, may veto any motion with constitutional implications. And in addition, the General Assembly of the Synod may veto any one Senate decision during any summit, again using its veto. A veto by the Synod must be exercised before the start of the next session. The throne may veto any vote that occurs as part of a Senate session while they are present. Finally, on the Constitution itself. The power of the Senate is limited by the Imperial Constitution. The magistrates may declare a motion to be unconstitutional if they believe it violates the principles of said Constitution. Where possible, the magistrates will always do this before a motion is considered, if they are given due time. If a motion is declared unconstitutional, the magistrates are required to provide complete guidance for why it was ruled so. The Senate may then consider a new motion on the issue at any time. And as I finish there, citizens, I do thoroughly encourage you, when you set your boots once more within Anvil, to attend one of these Senate sessions, to look through the gallery and see the kind of people who gather there and the kind of prattling that goes on within its walls. And should you be of the night owl variety, turn up for a particular set of Senate motions. And I'm sure if you turn up after sundown, you'll understand what I mean. But until then, citizens, travel safely and keep your dagger by your side.